you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family... Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. The Around the NFL podcast. Invented live streaming during the NFL draft. (laughs) Welcome to another edition of Around the NFL. The podcast that has everything concerning the 2023 NFL Draft covered. And doing it in an innovative manner, as you just heard there. The, the Zum <laughs> drop. Uh, Dan Hans is here. Mark Sessler. Greg Rosenthal. Scattered across Los Angeles. But bringing all the coverage needs here. Hey, boys. You know, most podcasts, I think, would just like kick back and relax after we broke as many barriers as we did. It's like, uh, I don't know. It's after hitting four home runs in the World Series, we show up the next day and hit another couple. Let's go. I feel like my physical body is still sort of um, in recovery mode from that live stream. Uh, but, you know, we're here. I'm, I'm feeling comfortable. Wow. I'm sitting in a chair. Uh, what's, what can go wrong? Yeah, once they they got, you know, once I got to the hospital and they got the tubes in me and I got the fluids that were necessary (laughs) to stay alive after the uh, heat wave that struck that specific studio, um, I was able to reflect upon what was a very successful Thursday um, for our podcast. The live stream did really, really good numbers uh, and and showed that you guys, um, the listeners are interested in in that experience when it comes to our show. So that is something we have filed away for future uh, use uh, potentially. And of course, you knew we were going to bring in the podcast goodness as well on Thursday. And now Saturday comes as the draft comes to an end. Seven rounds in the book, um, roughly 700 more uh, compensatory picks in the books. And now we break down a draft that, Greg, I know you are a big fan I know you see it as potentially now problematic, um, uh, but at the same time, it's got some juice to it. It's got your brand connected to it. The trade tsunami, uh, 41 trades by last count uh, connected to this bre- uh, draft, which is a new record. So GMs are more brash than ever mm. when it comes to wheeling and dealing in this exciting time of year. I like it, but I also don't want to hear 
anymore in March that's like, oh my gosh, my heavens, I would never give up a fourth round pick for Stefan Gilmore. Like who would do that? <laughs> then we get into the draft and the Patriots are like trading multiple picks to move up to take like a small school kicker and no one gives a shit. Whoa, 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 whoa. We're going to get to that. Why would nobody give... This is, the, this sorry, is what, sorry. exactly what I'm talking about. I'm just saying kickers they don't care about the picks. Just, it's not about the, the kickers. I just mean, okay, the okay. Saints then just, they have some guy they want. Like the Lions moved up from the fifth to the third and just gave up all these picks for a guy no one was going to take probably anyways. Just like once they get here, they, they lose the value of the picks. It is the stra- like a strange sporting event inside the NFL calendar because the mentality seems to completely change, to your point, from – the boundaries outside the draft where it's like the idea of trading draft picks um, in the inside itself, inside the weekend becomes this like flurry of activity. Totally bizarre. I love it. So we're going to go through as we do every year, the winners and losers of the 2023 NFL draft. And I was thinking about uh, when I was going through it in my mind, how to best handle it. I feel weird about really getting after um draft classes where it's like, oh, that guy was a weird fit there or a weird pick because it's so, it seems like a a fool's errand to try to really uh, guess how these draft classes are going to play. But also you can look at what the needs of of, were t- of a team or how things were handled. I know, Mark, you have something on your plate that you're going to share with us a little bit later about how some teams uh, kind of presented themselves uh, mm. during and after the draft. And uh, so we're going to share some winners and losers. And we are you are going to share that right mark i am planning to yeah yes that's a tease in the industry <laughs> i'm right I, my list is mostly winners like i have an article on nfl.com too and it's i could have just made it winners of the nfl draft you you like some things better than others and you kind of jimmy rig uh, some losers in there but it's just like yeah. things you like better than others well said exactly so we'll we'll give you we'll try to give you both sides of the spectrum but i think part of the the the, the good thing about the draft and we talked about it with damashek during the live stream is that it is an optimistic time of year so we're gonna dig into it i, I can get it going i'm gonna go uh with a winner here in, in a broad sense um the afc south mm. i think the afc south has been uh, a bit of a chore the last couple of years. And uh, we've all had to suffer through some lean years. We've had to suffer through some, you know, not so hot Thursday night football games through the years. And that could be about to change or at the very least, the division to me has some much needed intrigue. Now we already had Trevor Lawrence and a rising operation in Jacksonville, but now we have CJ Stroud and Will Anderson in Houston um, and that team seemingly uh, pointing in a new direction, a positive de- direction. Anthony Richardson bringing his completely unique athleticism to the QB position in Indianapolis. And by the way, Jim Ursay um, spoke with, I think, Judy Batista, our own Judy Batista. Um, and um, he said, A, they plan to play Anthony Richardson this year, start Anthony Richardson this year and Ursay because he's Jim Ursay also said, Hey, we would have taken him if we had the number one overall pick. And he also said, and this is the <laughs> sliding doors. Yeah. Jim Ursay likes to talk the sliding doors of the NFL draft that if Richardson was taken before they were on the board, they might've taken Will Levis who went later. Speaking of Will Levis, hmm. even the Titans, there's some juice with the Titans who trade up in the second round for Will Levis. And now he's now positioned as the heir apparent at QB with a chip on his shoulder 
the size of Nashville after that first round free fall. So I'm not saying like all of a sudden we're going to have uh, AFC South dominating uh, their conference, but there's a little juice there now. And hey, that's overdue. I'm with you. I mean, I think, you know, it was a year ago we were talking about the AFC West as this newly formed division with you had Patrick Mahomes, but Russell Wilson, who we did not think was going to fall off a human cliff the way he did. And it was like a human cliff. Yeah, we cannot watch. (laughs) We cannot wait to watch these AFC West games all season long. And it didn't pan out. So I guess I come out of any draft weekend with a fair amount of cynicism that half of this won't work out. But that said, like the tone of the AFC South and the hope around it and the fact that we're not going to know right away that for the next couple of years, like these young quarterbacks going up against each other will become one of the more intriguing flip-flops in all of the NFL because the AFC South has been largely largely unwatchable, at least portions of it, for big chunks of the time that we've been doing this podcast. And you've suddenly plopped like three super intriguing young quarterbacks into the mix on teams that are growing before our eyes. And the fourth is Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars, who, depending on how things go, could be a genuine AFC title game threat. So I'm with you on this. Right. I'm I'm totally selfish in that. There's no way that these moves don't make them more interesting. And that's all I really care about. They're going to make them more watchable. The Colts are going to be extremely watchable, I I believe, with Anthony Richardson. The Texans at least have a vision, a direction. They've just kind of been wasting time for two years. And they're going to make these 10 a.m. games more watchable. It's funny that these teams, you know, add some juice at the moment that they've taken away the requirements that you have to have a primetime game now. Because they're still probably not getting many primetime games yet. They're going to, the networks are going to wait. Amazon's one are going to wait to see if they actually start winning games. Jacksonville will be in primetime. I don't know if Anthony Richardson and Stroud will much, but it'll be good picks for us in our, in our preview drafts. And what they did over the weekend too made me more excited. Houston, you know, there were all these little receivers that were available in this draft. Josh Downs uh, went to the Colts. He reminds me so much of Hunter Renfro. And now you kind of think of like a, a little jitterbug over the middle getting open. And then what Richardson does well, which is I think throw the ball deep to the outside. And he's got Alec Pierce and he's got Pittman on the outside. And it's like, okay, you're putting something together here with a running game that has Jonathan uh, Taylor. That's going to be tough to stop. And then you look at the Texans who are expecting to get John Mechie back, their second round pick from a year ago who had that battle with cancer. But he, he is expected to to play. And they took Tank Dell, who was my favorite of all those small receivers. The, the man with the chutzpah to be like 5'7 and call himself Tank, uh, who uh, a lot of people thought the 40 time that people just missed on that because he just plays so fast. And so both of these teams kind of added fun pieces during the draft too, along with the quarterbacks. And they're just going to be more fun that there's like a point to them this year. Yeah. Is there is there a team that's a bigger wild card? at least on the offensive side of the ball than Indianapolis now. And, and, and I think that's, uh, if you're a Colts fan, you're really excited because you've went through this post Andrew Luck era. We don't need to go through the quarterbacks again, but they went through veteran after veteran after veteran, uh, bottoming out with uh, Matt Ryan, who didn't have much left. And now you go to the op. What's the opposite of Matt Ryan, like 2022, Matt Ryan, (laughs) It's Richardson and what he brings. And I want to see Jonathan Taylor. Let's not forget what Jonathan Taylor did in 2021 when he had a like a Jamal Charles in his prime type season, just a dominant player before his ankle got jacked up and he was not the same player all season. Uh, Think about that offensive line that was seen as like this, like 
absolute stone cold lock as one of the better lines in football. And then they had injuries and strange ineffectiveness with some suspect coaching. What if that comes back together? You know, if Richardson hits the ground running, watch out. This team could really, really shock Hmm. people in the AFC this season. And I know the conference is loaded, but could one of these teams hit the ground running as a young team? Absolutely. So AFC South, you got some juice. Yeah, I'd also say just it's not a knock on Frank Reich, but we like the match of Shane Steichen with Anthony Richardson. And the Texans, to me, who have gone through a complete um, chaos, complete chaos with coaches over the past two years. Like, I think D'Amico Ryans is going to be someone that, like, a season from now, we look and say, like, he completely gave the Texans, like, a different kind of vibe and identity. And so there's more, like, there's some coaching intrigue as well, where, I mean, before I just... It was hard to take the Texans seriously, no matter what they were doing, because they've been wandering through a total abyss for the past three seasons. But they, they think they're going to be good, and they sort of have to be good with that trade they made for Will Anderson. It's a, it's a little bit of a subplot. Cardinals fans can enjoy this year rooting against the Texans. It's always fun when you have a first-round pick of another team. The fact that they gave up that first-round pick for Anderson, that could be, you know— th- based on their previous history, a top-five pick, a top-three pick. So I think they believe that they're going to be better— Uh, than most people think, or else they would not give up that pick, plus a second-round pick this year, top of the second, like the very first pick, essentially, the second, and a third-round pick. The the more time I've had to think about that trade, I think it was kind of insane. Uh, And Will Anderson almost has to be a Hall of Fame player to make it worth it. Uh, But uh, they believe in it, and and if he is that type of player, no one's going to honk. But then that's what I'm talking about with uh, I don't like winners and losers exercises with the draft. When we just don't know yet, because Will Anderson could be an absolute dominant player, and then it makes all the sense in the world. We we need to see him play. play. My one last point before we move on to the next winner it, uh, regarding the Colts. One other thing that's like, keep an eye on this. Jim Irsay had a pretty wild season um, as team owner last year. And uh, after years of, you know, you're not necessarily connecting him to uh, the way his dad handled uh, running a football team. Um, it was Jeff Saturday was the head coach last year. And it's like, how involved is he going to be now with this young, explosive, completely unpredictable entity at quarterback with Gardner Minshew, a respected veteran uh, behind him? How much how much of his hands will be in the mix with a rookie head coach? The Colts are interesting to me on multiple levels. I'll leave it there. I mean, Ursay seems to bubble up the most when the team is struggling, because you could look at most of Frank Reich's tenure and say that Ursay wasn't like a meddling nightmare on a week-to-week basis. I mean, things got real crazy, and he took control of his property, essentially. But if things are working, and if Anthony Richardson's working out, he goes back to um, delightful little tweets and strange tweets and maybe not too much more, hopefully. That's the hope for Colts fans. The The other reality is that he's just going all in. He's doing the George Steinbrenner in 1985 move. I mean, the Levis tweet he sent out before round two was one of the most insane things I've ever seen that he sent a tweet out to all the fans. Should we draft Will Levis tonight? And, you know, the, the day of round two. And I don't know if he was trying to mess with like, I don't know what he was doing. Probably nothing uh, important, but while, while we're in the AFC South, we, we should, I think he crossed Levis the Rubicon, thing. Greg. That, right. That's my, I'm yeah. wondering if that's what happened <laughs> like, last year. What, what was that? I, maybe he was trying I to want make it, it to happen. happen. I'm not sure. Right. Maybe the Titans, he didn't want the Titans to take Levis. Uh, and the Titans <laughs> did, and, and the Titans traded up for him. Like, I think that made sense that for where the Titans got Levis and where they are. And I called Levis a similar prospect to Ryan Tannehill. Uh, it does make you just 
curious to watch. They're a team we'll talk about plenty in August because of Levis's presence there. And because they took Tajay Spears, like a, the next running back to replace Derrick Henry. Like those two guys still feel a little precarious or at the, at the very least, like the last year they'll be in Tennessee. There he is. What's up, Justin? We'll also talk about them a lot because of me, right? <laughs> well, it's an accident because It'll of happen. you and that rotating uh, Titans helmet uh, <laughs> it, with your remote setup, which I cannot get enough of. I just love it, Justin. Thanks. How do you feel, I, by the way? How do you feel big I, picture right now about the Titans? I feel like if Will Levis is a franchise quarterback, it's a home run draft and nothing else matters. If Will Levis sucks, the fact that they came out of this draft without addressing wide receiver until their very last pick and without addressing cornerback when you have guys who've been injured a lot and like you know, unknown future contracts, Christian Fulton in the last year of his deal, Caleb Farley never been able to really stay healthy or play well. I think it's a weird draft for the Titans. Maybe they, you know, went with his best player available thing. Tajay Spears, by the way, has like a crazy medical issue where apparently he doesn't have an ACL in one of his knees or something like that. So. Overrated. Two-lane guys don't need ACLs. <laughs> yeah, that won't be a problem. Hopefully, I hope it works out. Like, I think they got guys that can be contributors, you know, even in year one. I would say start Will Levis now. Trade Ryan Tannehill at some point for a pick next year because if if you don't know that Will Levis is your guy going into next year's draft when you have two expected really great quarterbacks and Caleb Williams and Drake May and other guys that could pop up at some point, you can't go into next year's draft like so committed to Will Levis because you don't know what he is yet that you pass on potentially your actual franchise quarterback. So that's where I'm at. Let's stick a pin in the Titans talk because we're going to get back to them a little bit later. Um, Mark, do you want to throw out a winner? I will. Um, This, to me, came into full view uh, during day two of the draft. And, you know, historically, um, this is not a team that I've uh, wanted to see thrive, but you just have to give in at some point. He's going to do it because it's the Pittsburgh Steelers. (laughs) I mean, they kind of did also. If they had been listening to me, which no front office should be spending a second doing, uh, but I found that the two players that I kind of talked about a bunch before this draft. One of them was Joey Porter Jr. When I was like, you know, I've already been down this road. Just if you're the Steelers, historically, go get the son of a great former Steeler and just swing for the fences and see if it works. They, I think it addressed a need, but also Joey Porter fell to them appropriately. They made the right choice. They went and got him. I loved them going and taking Broderick Jones in the first round. A need again, but they went and got a tackle, I think, that the New York Jets probably wanted right after him. And that's that line, which has been a problem for a couple of years, starts to become something that you can rely on. I thought they improved down the stretch over the course of last year. That whole offense is growing together. And then you add to the mix one of the most fascinating players in the draft to me from a physical traits perspective is Darnell Washington, six foot seven. Um, I think it might take him a little bit of time to get going from a production standpoint. Danny's not probably going to fulfill the quest that you put out there for a tight end to come on and just set the world on fire. But can you imagine being like a smaller cornerback um, trying to take down six foot seven Darnell Washington in space on a pass from Kenny Pickett. I just kind of like compared to where we were 13 months ago before last year's draft where the Steelers offense post Big Ben seemed like it was a fading old school mess has gotten a lot younger all over the place. Um, I think there's a lot to like about the fact that they're growing together. You've added a new offensive tackle and a really freaky tight end that I cannot wait to watch. And Damashek came on our show during the live stream, and he talked about the Steelers as an 11-win team. That is a tall order in a super top-heavy AFC. But 
Mike Tomlin goes and wins seven, eight, or nine games when you're in a so-called rebuild. I don't think 11 wins with the way that Omar Khan has just stepped right in at GM and paved the road for the Steelers. It's not out of control. It's not an out-of-control prediction. In a, in a, with it, how as unpredictable as every season is, the Steelers always, to me, are a team that could be double-digit win, and right now I like where they're going. They were that team that like kept taking the guy that was the highest on – like the consensus boards, like Daniel Jeremiah's board, for instance, even in the fourth round when they took um, Nick Herbig, whose brother is on the team. They're so into brothers. It's a little, it's a little too much. I think they signed Nate Herbig. They got Nate and Nick now. Uh, Calm calm down a little bit. Yeah. Calm down with the brothers, calm down with the sons. Although it was worth, you're right, taking Joey Porter just for the picture of Joey Porter senior holding Joey Porter on the field at the Super Bowl when, when they won like that alone, uh, it's worth it. I mean, they but, were going to use that photo no matter yeah, where he I went. Mean, still would have been a cool, but it's even cooler. Yeah. Why they wouldn't have, why would they? That, they would have would. used it. Yeah. They father would've. and son, you know, legacy. I don't know. Maybe they, they wouldn't have. They're, they're they like had it locked offense. and loaded in the truck. Of course they're going to use it. Like they, they went and got Pickett last year <laughs> in a weird quarterback draft. And if you're not going to have a, like, ultra talented freak of a quarterback you build up the group around him and that's a good looking group right now i mean you have darno washington as your wide receiver two as your tight end two now and i'm not really counting on anything but from alan robinson but they're they're good enough uh at wide receiver even without alan robinson doing much that's like that's a fun team yeah and we and we talked about the idea of the running game finally uh getting some teeth to it with improved line play and you know don't forget about pat fryermuth who uh was a just outside the top five amongst all tight ends last year in receptions and receiving yards playing with a rookie quarterback. So yeah, I think Washington who again, six, seven, two sixty four, uh, he's basically built like Aaron judge is going to go out there. And even if he's not immediately an offensive terror, uh, who knows if he ever develops into that, he seems like somebody who could kick some ass in the blocking game at the very least and some two tight end sets. So yeah, late in the third round, that feels that's I feel like when you get late in the third round, fourth round, fifth round, start throwing the darts at like guys that could be freaky. There you go. It's a good pick. I agree. It's the Pittsburgh Steelers got a lot of positive pop and and I know Sheck was very excited about it. But Sheck was gonna be excited no matter what, let's face it. Winner, Greg. I'll throw out a winner. Uh let's go Jordan Love. Let's go Mark Sessler, too. You know, the Packers and Goody making Mark Sessler sandwiches, making Jordan Love happy. I don't think they're they're really making Aaron Rodgers uh, upset by taking a bunch of second and third round like tight ends and receivers. Uh, but if if that's a, a small bonus, I, something tells me Rodgers isn't too plugged into like day three, day two of uh, the Packers draft. But Luke Musgrave in the second round, uh, pass catching tight end, who I didn't love just because he looks so upright, like. How could he not get hurt? And he spent a lot of his college getting hurt. But smarter people than me, like Lanzierlein, like thought, you know, he's as explosive. And DJ liked him, too, as any tight end uh, in the draft. You took a receiver, Jaden Reed, also in the second round. And then they took Tucker Craft. So they just like went three straight uh, receivers. Tucker Craft's a tight end as well. But he was a guy from South Dakota State who I did get a chance to watch it. Like Greg Cosell could not stop gushing about as a Dallas Goddard type of clone. So they're building their team in a certain way. I think it was interesting that they went, they doubled up at tight end specifically. I think they're going to be a run based team with a lot of AJ Dillon, uh, and a lot of two tight end sets, uh, a lot of Aaron Jones. And I just like that. Yes, you took Lucas Van Ness, which was such a Packers pick in the first round, uh, but you didn't overlook love. And then you knew Sessler had sandwiches on the line. So you took another receiver in the fifth round. Dontavian Wicks. That's the man. 
That's why yeah. I didn't. That's why I didn't take the pick because it was nebulous. Oh wait, and I another one. It was somebody Trey coming DeVos. late in the round. Two fifty six, round seven, pick thirty nine. I missed that one too. Charlotte's nebulous. own uh, Grant Dubose. So they went way over four. And yeah, you're you're bound to hit one. It's nebulous. I can only imagine that these sandwich props that we um, boil up are massive talking points inside uh, various team buildings and probably triggering. Uh, thought processes. So I'm with you that they they were listening to that. But I, you know what I th- I think about like Matt Lafleur, who for his entire run in Green Bay and it's been successful outside of January. I mean, you you kind of were under held hostage to do exactly what Aaron Rodgers wanted to do on offense, right? The big part of it was like Aaron Rodgers is going to freestyle a little bit, but in general, the offense has to be something that he's happy with, that's catered around him outside of not drafting picks for him. So they went and got a bunch of new guys around Love, which, I mean, A, just makes sense. They needed help at these positions. It wasn't like a, a vanity project necessarily, but they went and did it. But I think that with the two tight ends and what they could do, like maybe LaFleur is a chance to put a little bit more of a personal stamp on um, altering what they do around a different type of quarterback. So for me, the Packers have sort of been the same thing since like 2010 and even before that for a thousand years with Brett Favre. I'm not sure they'll be better. I'm just weirdly more intrigued by them than I ever have been before. And I feel I like the idea of a completely fresh start. And stick a pin in that thought, because coming up later this week or next week, we'll do our around the AFC and NFC in 48 minutes. And we'll uh, kind of dig into the postmortem of the draft and looking ahead of what what things mean for these teams. All right. We got more winners to get to a couple of losers to get to. But first, a break. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. Like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we're back. All right, Greggy, how about a winner? All right, let's go Lions. They had a weird Thursday. Let's just be real. 
I, I, I heard some speculation from a couple places that they were a little bit like the fantasy draft, you know, manager at pick six that spun out because they totally expected the whole time to take Devin Witherspoon. No one thought the Seahawks were taking Devin Witherspoon. It just felt like a chalk pick. And then suddenly you're trading out, not getting good value at all from going six to 12. If you look to the trade chart and you take uh, Jameer Gibbs there, I like the Jack Campbell pick fine. He definitely fits a need, maybe has a higher ceiling. But after day one, and this, this is what happens when you're Brad Holmes and you just stack all these picks, you're going to end up looking good. I mean, they had six picks in the first three rounds and the next four to me were really intriguing. Brian Branch, who they traded up to get ahead of the Patriots. Maybe the Patriots were taking Brian Branch. He just felt like a Patriots player, like Nick Saban's binky just can do everything. Kind of a Chauncey Gardner Johnson type. And they have Chauncey Gardner Johnson already there, but man, that secondary is versatile. He's going to be smart. He's going to be there forever. They took my favorite uh, tight end in the draft in terms of like a value in Sam Laporta, but I don't even know if it's a value anymore because they took him over Michael Mayer, which is kind of wild, but man, Laporta is athletic and it's too easy to compare him to Kittle because he's from Iowa, but I just think he's going to be a big playmaker. And then you wait for Hendon Hooker until the third round. And at that point, like that to me was the perfect spot to do it. I know he's, it's crazy. He's only three years younger than Jared Goff, who's been in the league for eight years and has started a hundred games. Uh, but I still like the idea of having a young quarterback to develop. But when you take him in the third round, it's like not as much pressure uh, that he's got to play anytime soon. If he just turns into a backup, who cares? That's fine. You just put spend a third round pick on it. So I kind of like what the Lions did. If you add up all the three rounds and put it together, I mean, these are guys who are going to play for them. So there's still a team because Holmes set this up so well with all these picks that got a lot better with six picks in the first three rounds. Uh, and uh, I kind of like that he's doing things differently. He's not worried about the draft cognoscenti. I think it's like really easy for, especially those of us that you jump onto the draft process a little bit later and we're, we're valuing positional need and positions in general over the players sometimes. And like that, I think that contributed to their Thursday night looking a little wonky. Um, and, and maybe it was, but also, and you know, this is where Hard Knocks helps a little bit. Like I, one of my big takeaways coming out of Hard Knocks was like, wait a minute, this coaching staff is uh, for the first time in, 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 that I can remember in Lions history is forward thinking. They de- they've shown they can develop players really well. So I thought what they did over day two and day three um, really just galvanized a roster that's already like a playoff level roster. And if and the one little thing is like Hendon Hooker is get, got a lot less of attention because of the injury. He's a little bit older. But if that pick worked out and they fell in love with him and he replaced Jared Goff and did that kind of seamlessly a season from now, uh, this draft looks incredible because if you suddenly hit on a later round quarterback, you look absolutely genius. Um, I don't know, Greg, about Lions running it back as team around the NFL, but they remain highly juicy. A lot of heat around Detroit. I would, I would do it, and it's, it's despite uh, being uh, public number enemy, enemy number one on Twitter today because I sent some tweet about their backfield, and Lions Twitter was not happy. I was basically like, I said Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery, you know, because we'll get to the DeAndre Swift trade, or right? I guess we can mention it now. They traded DeAndre Swift for. Uh, uh, we a, will get to it in one moment. We a, can, a little yeah. later, but for not yeah. much. Uh, and I just said like. Gibbs and Montgomery, 
isn't that much better than Jamal Williams and Swift. I think that's like, they're probably better. And if Gibbs turns into a huge hit, then they're a lot better. But I'm just assuming some picks work, some picks don't. I'm not a big David Montgomery fan. That was one of my least favorite signings of the offseason. To me, that's a wash with Jamal Williams. And it's just like you spent a lot of resources to kind of kind of upgrade your backfield when you were really productive as a running team anyway. So that was it. Um, but I got I am getting severely ratioed to high heaven. That, Some, someone you know texted me about it and I wasn't aware. And it, it's something that is. I think there's also sometimes <laughs> when those things happen, the the fan base knows it too and they're just defensive about it because they just want it to be and Gibbs like kind of the point guys were making about Bijan uh with Atlanta on Thursday night I think for that to make sense like Gibbs has to be a, a monster like he has to be a stud and David Montgomery has to be healthy and and work in another a really nice complimentary way but I think it really goes back to if you're going to use that everybody could talk about oh finally running backs getting respect in the first round Sure, but you it has to be it has he can't be good. He has to be great or you should have focused I think on using um getting your better roster better in other places and that's a neat seg to one of my losers. Um Ooh. we mentioned that uh or we mentioned quickly there that uh they did make the move sending the talented injury prone running back DeAndre Swift uh to the Eagles uh for a fourth round pick I believe it was. In 2025. Uh, there, yeah, two in 20, years okay. out. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that in addition to their big Thursday night where they brought in two defenders uh, who are highly valued, Nolan Smith and Jalen Carter, bringing those two gentlemen in and including all these other Georgia players that are entering the fray over the last two years. Here's Peter Schrager late in the telecast on Saturday about something he heard uh, regarding embittered general managers across the landscape. Oh, I love this. I talked to all the GMs around the league. There is a little bit of like a, all right, guys, everyone, you, ESP, enough with the Howie Roseman. Are the you serious? Girl. There's a little bit of that too, that, that this is like a media just showering. Oh, the Eagles, they didn't win the Super Bowl. There's other teams in the NFC, you know, like there is there is a competitive nature amongst these other teams that this Eagles squad has been getting a lot of love. I, I, I would, <laughs> Howie <laughs> mother And, uh, you know, I'll give Daniel Jeremiah, who, you know, I, I got to give him the whole crew on NFL Network did great, including Jeremiah uh, throughout the weekend. And, and Daniel, 42 of his 50 uh, top 50 on his big board, 42 uh, came off the board in the first 50 picks, which I really think. Uh, he, his, his, uh, I hate saying this guys, but Jeremiah has become such a Titan in this industry that I really think he's now able to kind of affect things on some level because GMs and front offices care about what Daniel Jeremiah thinks, but he quickly responded to Schrager's reporting there (laughs) or the conversations he had by saying, well, how about this? Uh, and we know, by the way. DJ has Eagles ties as well. So he was going to be a little jumpy on it. But still, he says, I want to hear, uh, go to those GMs that you talk to and look at the Eagles roster and then look at that GM's roster and ask them if they would trade if they could and then see how the conversation ends after that. I just got a, uh, it is a little the waterfall of um, celebration of Rosen, but he kind of earns it. And and I think what he was able to do with, with Carter and Smith, they won. And then the DeAndre Swift trade is the exact type of move that you want your GM to make. And he does that all the time. I feel like he makes those 
um, common sense uh, moves to bring in players that have a lot of upside at a good cost. And here's an example of why he is so good. He brings in, he gives up that fourth round pick. And if DeAndre Swift, when his contract runs up, leaves the team next year, they could get a fourth round uh, compensatory pick back. So it <laughs> becomes him essentially taking on DeAndre Swift, who is absolutely a monster when healthy and in the right offense. And he's not even giving up anything. And don't get mad because your GM doesn't think to do the same thing. I totally agree. And it's like it was a year ago that without a lot of pre-whispering around this, he pulls off the A.J. Brown trade that completely changes the development of Jalen Hurts, changes Another their offense example. entirely. And it's like, okay, so Roseman is doing it year after year. There's a consistency to their front office. And they went through a post-Doug Peterson rebuild that took, what, 14 days? I mean, there was no dark ages for them. They turned around, changed who they were, developed a quarterback, and did it very quickly. So I do think that in general, it reminds me when we were at the Combine a couple years ago, and that like coaches hotness rankings list came out and you had a bunch of coaches grumbling about it because certain guys always get ranked high on that kind of a list by the subjective eye of many thinking this guy's hot or not. And like there's people just grumbling. It's kind of the same thing. Like they do listen to this. I think the one thing you kind of just start to hear is like these guys read, listen to everything, follow Twitter. They know that the temperature out there and there probably is sort of a consensus that Howie Roseman's a little over celebrated, but no one logically could break it down and say he isn't being celebrated for the right reasons because he is. Because I think a year ago, like Les Snead was like, this guy's changing the way the NFL works and people are going <laughs> to start to do things like the Rams. Then the Rams fall off a cliff. Who's talking about? I mean, Les Snead is still a very talented general manager, but he's not the chic guy to discuss right now. It is Howie Roseman. And so if people are talking about you, that's the best thing. That's the best indicator that you're succeeding and damaging their goals. Right, the best they could come up with, oh, he didn't win the Super Bowl. Sorry, like they scored 35 points and a holding call prevented them from uh, going after it one more drive. I I think I, I've always gotten the sense, I mean, people in the NFL don't love Howie Roseman because he's a short, um, non-ex player, different background uh, from a lot of front offices, and he's been killing it. And so there's a lot of football guys. Did that you just say want short? To... Short I, King, I was, short I was King gonna Pop. Go, I was going to go with his background in general is just different. Let's, let's just say that is that, you know, all that is different than a lot of the people running teams. And there's a lot of football guys who, who, who kind of see that and they see the analytics department there too, as a threat. And, and they kept the uh, Georgia thing going. Uh, Kelly Ringo, they're, they're Kelly Ringo. They're, they're uh, fourth round pick at cornerback. Who's a, if you go and look at like the preseason, like who's going to get taken in the top 20 picks, top 10 picks. He was all over that, and he he fell in the draft for various reasons. But it's like they take another Georgia guy who, with a lot of talent at least, that was kind of a boomer bust guy, and they get him late. They got value everywhere. Listen to this Georgia tidbit: a little over nine percent of the Eagles roster this year will be players drafted from Georgia in the last two years. Five out of fifty-three. <laughs> and by the way, that is funny and a little weird, but also like they like that program. That's a successful program. They so they see it as a football factory that they trust. And again, it's kind of like not to dumb it down or flatten it, but it's like they have a process. He has a process. And sometimes you wish like your general manager uh, would think this way as well. Like, how do I make my team better? Oh, use the college program that pumps out. Uh, consistently start offensive players. Oh, DeAndre Swift, he could be had at a very cheap price, and he he's could from, be an he's from Georgia over too, Miles by the Sander. Way. Sanders, like, 
Yeah. Oh my God. You're right. Like I'll bring him in. I'll take him in. Oh, if I do this the right way, I could even actually kind of get him for free. And I'm only paying him like 1.77 million this season. It's like awesome. So it's definitely a nightmare for fantasy. Uh, Just stay away there. You know, Rashad, Kenneth Gainwell and DeAndre Swift. Like I get it. Lions fans, DeAndre Swift will frustrate you going for the big play and he's going to get hurt a lot. And he's an inconsistent player, but his numbers speak for themselves. He's very effective per touch but between him Gainwell and Penny it's like they'll all get hurt uh but they'll all take turns being good people sometimes sleep on Howie's too just in general and I know (laughs) I know some Howie's and I know I know Howie's on both ends of the spectrum like wildly impressive Howie's and some Howie's are like very much like oh well I don't know about that Howie he's on the the positive end yeah high variance but he's one of the good Howie's is that what you're referring to (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no <laughs> I didn't think so alright go on uh, how about you Mark what do you got winner loser throw it out there Um, here's a team that I've been um, real tough on for the last year uh, the Cleveland Browns and I-, I think that this is a team that like basically had no draft capital obviously because of Deshaun Watson and that's the big question mark hanging out there like what version of that player do you get this season after selling your soul for this quarterback but um, one of the reasons they didn't have an extra pick this time around was because they went and got Elijah Moore. Um, there is some projection here, but if Elijah Moore works out um, alongside Amari Cooper and Donovan Peoples-Jones, I liked what they did um, after reading about this pick more and more. That gets Cedric Tillman, the wide receiver out of Tennessee, is one of the bigger guys in the draft, sort of an archetypal X guy who I think fits with Amari Cooper and fits in that. It suddenly, that was a, a weakness last year. The wide receiver group was a weakness. They also were a team that were real soft up the middle of their defense. And they brought in Jim Schwartz as their coordinator, which I like the coordinator switch in general. They were, that was a problem all last year, but they were getting run on easy. I mean, there just was nothing in the middle. And they went and got Dalvin Tomlinson in free agency, but then drafted this guy, Siaki Ika, who is absolutely massive. He is like a... 335 pound front door. Now, I don't know what else he's going to do for you in general, but it's kind of like described as a guy that makes things easier for other people around him. And so this guy, along with Tomlinson, gives you that's sort of what Jim Schwartz wants in the middle of his defense. So I like that. And then they went and got Dewan Jones, the offensive tackle, because Jedrick Wills, uh, I think, is a real question mark at left tackle. That did not work out post Joe Thomas the way that they've wanted. And I think this is a big season for him. And Dewan Jones, down at a number 111, is we'll see if he can play. But if he did and you got an offensive tackle right there, it's another potential need. And so without a lot of draft capital, I thought Andrew Barry, after a kind of a rough year, um, put together a good draft w- with what their resources were. I, I had them down as a winner, too. Totally agree. Um, partly because I'm just a, I, I, I did my wide receiver rankings uh, on Twitter, really um, making people talk, making people think. And uh, Cedric Tillman was very high on that list. I love, I loved his tape. He, he just looks like a guy who I'd rather have than all these uh, little receivers that were taken in this draft that I think can be productive. I, I had him as the fourth receiver. Uh, and I, I kind of like that. They took Dorian Thompson Robinson too. at pretty much the consensus QB six in this draft uh, who has a lot of good tape out there. Fifth round, you maybe get a backup quarterback. Who knows? You know, Deshaun. Well, I guess you're stuck with Deshaun Watson forever. Deshaun Watson was on Twitter <laughs> Spaces. He did an interview um, this weekend, it appears, and uh, he he had the quote, "You can't define my career off of six games," and uh, went on to talk about how he sees the Browns as a team that could sneak up and surprise a lot of people, the way the Eagles did last year. 
we shall see. But uh, yeah, there's well, a lot. Dan, there, Amari Danny Cooper also, had obviously a big year. Yeah. He also, um, at one point, I don't know if it was on this Spaces uh, Q&A, but at one point over the last three or four days, talked about the fact that Elijah Mora, Elijah Mora escaped a toxic culture in New York. It's like, who are we? To, like, can we maybe chill out on <laughs> describing cultures and teams right now, Deshaun Watson? Yeah, I'll let his comments stand on their own on that. That's I'll leave that's that rough. there. They they did they did get better without a ton of like easy resources. I think uh, Daywan Jones is is a freak of nature too. How how big how big that dude is. So you, it's a fair it's a p- good enough point by Watson that you, you can't judge. Like I've been killing him based on those six games. Those six games were so much worse than any six games he had ever played uh, ever like in college or in, at the pros as a six game sample that I think it's, it's truly concerning, but it's also fair to point out like you can't judge his entire career off of that. And, and we'll see. I think they've set him up to succeed. Uh, Mark, do you have another one? I have a, a loser for now um, because okay. you know I think there was some buzz around Deandre Hopkins leaving a terrible situation in Arizona, I think it can still happen, but kind of every time Rap Sheep talks about it, it's like it's not about to happen. There's nothing really on the horizon. I thought there was a world where he became like a Patriots uh, wide receiver this weekend or somewhere else, and it, and it's not come to fruition. And right now, if you're DeAndre Hopkins or you're anyone on that offense, your career is just put on hold. You don't have Kyler Murray. Um, I don't love the that team in general. I think it's probably the worst roster in the league, and you've got a truly star wideout. That hmm. someone's going to want at some point, but he's tough to trade and he's tough to trade for even the Cardinals. We talked about this because they don't get a lot for it. I know they probably want to move on from him just for the sake of it, but they're stuck paying so much of his salary that I think there's it, it maybe wasn't as easy a trade to like to finesse um, this weekend. And so he's sort of stuck in abstentia, uh, wondering what will happen with his 2023 season. I, I do. Yeah, I think veteran trades in general was like a loser, you know, right. Hopkins. Dalvin Cook, Zadarius Smith, Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill, Mac Jones, Trey Lance, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, like all these guys you thought maybe could go. Not much really happened. It, like the swift move came up uh, during the draft and then happened quickly. Some of those guys, I think maybe one of the Broncos receivers and maybe Hopkins could make sense in August. Uh, the others I'm not sure about. I think the more, more most of those guys will probably just stay. But at this point, yeah, I don't think Hopkins or a guy like that's going to get moved. That said, I think the Cardinals were winners, weren't they? They loaded up on picks for 20. Like they did a nice job moving around the board where they sort of won each one of those trades. And they have two first round picks, including the Texans next year, two third round picks. Like they, they loaded up for next year. I think they did a good job without really losing any picks this year. Still makes sense to trade Hopkins, I would think, though. Yeah, I think I don't know if it's because of his his market. Uh, Sometimes we we see a veteran and we assume he has a market, and then it turns out he doesn't. Is that really the case? Like, is is this going to end with Howie Roseman trading for DeAndre Hopkins and giving up a fifth round pick? Uh, You know what I mean? Like, there just has to be value, and and I know they came out even strong and last Thursday and on Thursday night and said uh, you know he wasn't going anywhere, but I don't know. Maybe I still think another shoe could drop there. Well, I think also once once we get players back on the field and a couple injuries hit here and there, a lot of the veterans that Greg mentioned might become more feasible to move. Greg, I would agree with you that I think that if you're the Cardinals or you're a Cardinals fan, you got to put this year in, on hold and look at it through a different lens. And at least they load it up um, for next year. And this is a this is a tank season. You can, they're not going to call it that. We're not allowed to say that, but 
there, if there's yep. a chance Kyler Murray doesn't even play this year, if they don't want, what's the worth of playing him if, if he's coming off this injury? So it's like, it could be a complete um, mail-in job, but then you've loaded up for next off season. Yeah. There, there, there's something, uh, T- PFF move, Timo risk on, uh, on, uh, Twitter, you know, posted this chart of trade value gained in the draft and the Cardinals actually even passed the bears in terms of how much surplus like money and value that they picked up, even though the bears traded down from one. And those two teams were, let's see about three and a half times more than any other team in the league. So they just put, they got a ton of resources and they didn't do it by like getting rid of this draft either. They, they filled needs and, and took some good players in this draft too. So I, I like that they're, they are setting up for the tank and that Texans pick, Man, I mean, they're gonna be they're gonna be rooting against the Texans and hoping like that that's a top five pick too next year. There's always one trade or two trades that you go into the ensuing season. Like keep an eye on that and what yep. that can do to the draft board. That is certainly the case. There you go, Cardinals fans. You know it's been uh, there's some negativity uh, or a critical uh, discussion of your team on the show in recent weeks and months. But uh, nice weekend. There we go. The sun will come out. Maybe not tomorrow. Sun will come out in like two years. Something like that. It's all right. (laughs) All right, let's take a break and we'll keep going. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. I'm not guarding like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. Yeah, you know we got to go to the kicker club. Mm. Mm. We got to go. You know why? Everybody's talking about the running backs getting some respect this year. How about two kickers going in the first 112 picks of this draft, including a kicker going top 100. 
both my boys. Chad Ryland, the Patriots traded up to get Chad Ryland, moving up eight spots in round four to take the Maryland stud. With the Good Jets, pick. how do you feel about that, that the Jets feel traded great. with the Patriots? My love of and support of the kickers and how important they are in our league supersedes anything, including my own family. Wow. <laughs> and then Michigan's Jake Moody, who was absolutely nails uh, for the Wolverines. He gets picked by the Niners, you know, an operation that uh, everyone respects in the third round. And it's like, when is the last time that happened? Well, I'll tell you what, it is the highest a kicker has gone in the draft since we don't like to bring this name up. It's like, you know, I'm reading the Harry Potter books uh, with the boys. I've told you I'm in book two now. And um, the, the main baddie, the antagonist early in the books I'm blanking on his name, but he's also known as Voldemort. Voldemort. He's known as the one who shall not be named. <laughs> we do not like to bring up Roberto Aguayo's name around here. He is the one who <laughs> shall not be named. The second round pick of the Bucks, who was cut after one season. Uh, but that's the territory we're in that the the Niners and it's usually a team that really is satisfied with their roster. Um, and if we're going to if we're going to get on the Lions a little bit and be like, hey, or even the Falcons, you had a good running back. Why would you had a running back? Robbie Gould is a great kicker. He's old, but a great kicker. But they bring in this kid, Moody. And here is the uh, here is the phone call from Kyle Shanahan, Niners coach, to Jake Moody when they made him the 99th overall pick, courtesy of the Niners. Jake, congrats, man. Thank you very much. Hey, man, you really got to know, you, you know how high we think of you, man. We just we didn't take a running back. We spent a third-round pick on a kicker. So that shows yeah. you how we feel about you, dude. <laughs> <laughs> let's go <laughs> two funny things there that's obviously the Niners like a little wink to people who it's a bit of a trope that the Niners just love taking those running backs every year and, and I, I just thought it was funny because my, my son Jack does it and all his second year old second grade buddies do it like whether you're a boy or a, a, a competitive athlete in America now and beyond you just say let's go all the time let's go yeah. Let's go. Yeah, I, hear I hear that from my kids. Score like, a goal. Non-stop. Absolutely. Let's go. Uh, Meg someone, uh, you know, kick one through the rags. Let's go. Play, you're playing. Uh, you're watching YouTube. You find a video. You're like, let's go. Have you seen it, that Tom Brady relentless. commercial where it's just him saying, let's go in different ways. And in the first like four, are like, oh, let's go. And the last one is like, let's go. And it's some like car rental commercial. <laughs> yeah. Let's go is really, it is what an bro culture right all the way down to elementary schools is dominated by let's go. But anyway, uh, back to it. Uh, big day for kickers when that, when you get two in the top one twelve, and uh, I like both picks. I do think it's just interesting. San Francisco would, had a, a one of the best veteran incumbents and used a third round pick and a guy that I guess he'll be better, but you don't know. And it was a couple episodes that we each uh, announced like our guys in the draft. And I'd already picked Joey Porter. Um, Greg, you took Tajay Spears and Dan, you took Jake Moody. So your, your guy, uh, obviously the NFL or at least one NFL team uh, truly felt what you felt. I, I can't say I love the Niners ability to draft much in this draft with what they had given up already with the Trey Lance deal. The situation going on with Trey Lance is weird. And I don't mind teams. Uh, I think the one thing that I find funny about the draft, it's like, oh, you would never draft a kicker. But then it's like eight out of 10 team seasons go totally on the brink when you get into that flux where you have to go find kickers off the street. So if you go get the next version of Robbie Gould, like the Niners are that much more consistent on offense. So I don't hate the move. 
if it works out, but I'm not, I, I got to say their draft in general is just, there wasn't a lot of mm. ability for them to be, to do much. And it was just kind of a low walk. If you look at the two teams in the NFC title game, like what the Eagles did in this draft and what the Niners were able to do, it's vastly different. Right. Eagles, I just I think mean, it's funny you said that, Mark. Like, go get the next version of Robbie Gold. You literally had Robbie Gold. And I know well, he's I know, older. I think they, How they old is he? Because he's old. He's like, what, 40-something? I mean, I didn't. I mean, if you statistically, too. I didn't see a lot of slippage. I don't think he's I ever know. missed a, a field goal in the playoffs, ever. I mean. It's a little crazy. That, like, because... So Ever? the Packers replaced Mason Crosby. That was surprising. Or they're going to try to. That was that was less surprising. That was a six-round pick. The Patriots drafted a kicker. As you mentioned, they traded up. They have taken some kickers high. They took Guskowski in the fourth round. Uh, but they traded up for a kicker. And they still had Nick Folk, who was, you know, doing well. But both gold and Folk aren't hitting those bombs. And Kyle Shanahan loves himself. Uh, he loves setting up for long field goals, for, surprisingly. Like, you think of him as this aggressive guy, and he loves kicking field goals. But uh, you got to beat out Robbie Gold. I like that the Patriots also drafted a punter. They drafted a kicker and a punter in the same draft. What I mean, Robbie Gold's here? a free agent, Greggy. He was oh, okay. on the Graybeards. Okay. So they just they said we're moving on. I don't know. Maybe there's some more to that story. I have no idea. Yeah, but, I mean, it, it's, all right. it's, it wasn't because of well, a vert they, decline, but... Well, he didn't. He didn't have. Uh, he didn't have much range. By the way, the the Patriots punter. I saw his picture, and it's hilarious. Um, like the last punter they drafted was. Like, didn't he have like? Uh, how do I put this? Uh, white supremacy paraphernalia tattooed on his arms. That that didn't go well. Kind of short circuited his career. The guy they drafted this time, total opposite. Looks like he's. Uh, brewing his own beer and like hosts like a horticulture podcast or something like that. I really, I really like this. So gentleman. the Pats replace their, they reboot the entire <laughs> booting game. That's good. Cool. All right, Mark, you want to bring some negativity to the proceedings? Well, I don't. Well, I don't want to completely slash the Titans because I think that Gravedigger um, talked about the ways that this draft could be looked at positively. Except I don't love what happened with first year general manager Rand Carthon in their uh, post-Peter Scaronzi presser draft. Like, he came out, just, we could, let's play this clip, and then I want to say was something Thursday about night? it afterwards. Yeah. This was actually Friday. This was the day two presser recap after they didn't draft a wide receiver and kind of got grilled for it. Right. Um, I just want to say something real quick. Um, you know, today and as, as yesterday, um, these kids are living their dreams, right? Having their name called you know, realizing a dream and being drafted. And I don't want these, you know, interactions between us to always feel like we got to take a negative turn. And, you know, this should be a joyous moment for us to praise these kids. This is a moment these kids are going to see this, you know, and this is a moment for them and their families to rejoice in, you know, because it's only going to happen once, you know. So it's like, I get it. This is um, the first time that Carthons had a, you know, press conference after his first draft. and But there, there's something about all that that did not was not received well by um, some in the room uh, for being a little preachy. Like Paul Kuharski, who's a friend of the show, and I think I, I love him as a Titans reporter because he's a little acerbic, a little more cynical. And a Wait, wasn't he an market. enemy of the show? He wanted to take down Dan. He yeah, was he was critical of the Titans moniker, but uh, he's, he's oh, a little yeah. bit brassy and he's a little different than other reporters, and that's okay. Yeah, and but peace was bridged during during our time with gotcha. him, if I recall. Uh, 
And he said, if your confidence in the Titans is low, Mike Rabel, who usually does well to restore such things, didn't do a lot to reinforce it in that press conference. And Rand Carthon gave some really poor answers. And, he's, and, and then his second tweet, which was sort of a response to being preached at, was, I'm not in kindergarten. If you draft a guy with a reputation for bad QB decision-making, I'll be asking about it. You may have heard it's a soft media market. It's not going to be what you ask. Sorry, Titans. We'll see how this plays out, but there was something about the Titans draft and their overall like years long, um, including the trade of A.J. Brown, to just sort of ignore the wide receiver position that I think is driving certain reporters crazy, driving certain fans crazy. You're hanging on to the idea that you drafted Colton Dowell in the seventh round as the only addition at wide receiver. It was a major issue last year. That team completely nosedived and vanished offensively down the stretch. And now you have Will Levis and Ryan Tannehill facing the same situation going into this season. And you're, you're floating answers out there like, hey, we're a little smarter than you. Let's celebrate the players we picked. And please, no critical questions. Don't love it. I, I know where you're coming from on that. Uh, I thought maybe, although it wasn't, it wasn't uh, he wasn't sparring or challenging the reporters. It came off as a little bit, a touch condescending. And like one of the reasons I... Um, got into uh, uh, journalism and what what I loved about it and love about it is that the reporter's job on some level, from my perspective, is to kind of be the voice of the fans and to be the ones that ask sometimes the hard questions. And while I understand what Carthon is saying there, I also think to myself, yeah, there are a lot of Titans fans that are like, hey, man, we need to get a little more explosive. You traded away A.J. Brown. We we need to kind of start building. And that question has to be asked. And I, it might be in conflict with your idea that we should be celebrating these kids entering the league. I think there's room for that. But you, you can't tell another person in that room how they should be doing their job. You know, they're, they're in two different positions. So I, I also don't think that Carthon should be killed over it. But that's not a great way to get your relationship going um also i don't know if kuharsi speaks only for himself or if this is more of a a big issue or a bigger issue that's brewing behind the scenes over there but we'll see i mean that his tweet was pretty condescending and like like look at me too so it was a little back and forth it's like oh you heard it's a soft market i'm gonna i i the the guys who are on the radio <laughs> i kind of liked it i gotta say right i i like it too i kind of like both is just how i would say like i respect Carthon kind of bringing that perspective and he can speak on it if that's what he wants to. And I respect Kaharski coming back and I think that's healthy, but there's always one guy on the radio in the town. It's like, Hey, you might not like it, but I'm going to tell it like it is. And usually that guy's kind of a jackass. I mean, I'm with that, you, Greg. And like, I'm not also, I'm not trying to come out of this like flaming Carthon. Cause I think like there's a reason they, they picked him and, and time will tell if he's successful. It's just like, I think it's important in 2023 and, and, and beyond to kind of nail these press conferences. Like, you just don't want to come out with these talking points. And there seemed to be an apprehension to kind of answer the tough question around, hmm. what is your plan with wide receiver and, and, and et cetera? It's like, you're going to have to face those. If you're not going to go do what the fans want, you're going to have to face the questions. Hmm. Fair enough. I think that was, Greg, is, uh, and, you know, the New England media markets, uh, no walk in the park. But that's like the type of questions. I think one of the things Carsey's getting at that, Maybe in the, a New York market or a bigger market, like you're going to get. Yeah. And uh, maybe he's saying in Nashville and Tennessee, maybe that's not the type of line of questioning he, Carthon's expecting. But, you know, Maurice Carthon, Rand's father, uh, he knows that mar what it's like to play in a big market. I'm sure they'll work things out. 
I'm looking for that's how to we this, get we get Paul relationship. Yeah, we get Paul and Ran uh, together for a burger and a beer, and we just sort it sort it out. Mm, sign me up. All right, you got I, something else, Greggy? Yeah, I mean, I are we are we wrapping up here? I could do a lot of quick yeah. Hitters. Well, why don't we got? I got a bunch of little things too. We want to go a little more. Yeah, let's let's do some some things I enjoyed. We we mentioned it a little bit on Thursday. I like the Bears meat and potato draft. It was what they had to do. It wasn't flashy. I think they got bigger. They got tougher. I love the Michael Mayer pick to the Raiders. That was nice. I wasn't in love with Tyree Wilson, but Josh McDaniels, that's good. I Jonathan Mingo was kind of my guy, at least at wide receiver in this draft, and you paired him with Bryce Young. So that's uh, another uh, thing to be excited about in terms of the offense in Carolina. And then I like the the college connections. Uh Jake Hayner, drafted by the Saints, Fresno State guy, like Derek Carr. They already had a relationship. They're already talking. He wants to be his mentor. And then Stetson Bennett, the Georgia national champion who just won a title in SoFi Stadium with Les Snead watching, is now the next uh, Rams backup quarterback. And I know he's the backup because there's no other quarterbacks on the roster. And they're both Georgia guys, Stetson Bennett and Matthew Stafford. I like like the synchronicity there. (laughs) Here's Here's a connection to that. Um, cause it, I have it labeled under weirdest tweet of the draft from, uh, ESPN's Diana Rossini. Well, that, uh, here's yeah. the tweet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to read it. It was never a big secret that the Rams loved QB Stetson Bennett, but they played this out really well. I was told how important it was to get a QB in that room who wouldn't be a problem or cause issues. What? <laughs> What? 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 Right. No, what? like they took what? him very what? early. There was what? like a ra- a run on kind of surprising quarterback prospects, or like so they took him very early. Everyone knew they liked him apparently, so they had to take him early. And uh, I don't know about the problems thing. I mean, he did just have like a DUI, so I-, I guess they're saying like a guy that wouldn't like want the starting job right away, and he'll know his place because he's friends what with mid round quarterback. Right. Oh, exactly. so I don't know. Oh, so I'm he. To- all right, it's, I think that maybe that's is that what it means, Mark? That if you took a high, if uh, not that they could, they could even take a high draft pick this year, but if you brought in like some you know playboy from the college game, it would tear apart the locker. I I, I don't know. I guess I mean I I think like because I thought the experience with Baker Mayfield, if anything, was was perceived to be positive, and we all thought that like he and McVeigh got along well. But I guess if you had stuck with Baker Mayfield, you're going to get a couple quotes over the course of an off season where he's Telling you he wants to be the starter? I don't know. I mean, I, I don't I know why anyone... I think it was that Stafford and him were kind of buddies, which is like, okay, great. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, <laughs> you got another uh, another nug there, Greg? Uh, oh, yeah. I got it. I mean, this should have been uh, front and center. Uh, big winners. We got history being made. Riley Moss, cornerback. Uh, where was he from? Iowa. Now I forget. To Denver. Uh, he's going to be the first uh, white cornerback to be playing regular snaps since Jason Seahorn. It's been a long time here. He, he's breaking the guy barriers. Zerline was talking up, right? He's breaking barriers. Went in the third round. A lot of people really liked him. Uh, and so, yeah, shout out to Riley Moss for, for just changing. You know, we talked about body diversity that I'm in favor of. We just need all sorts of different types. It's ins- It's absolutely crazy that that's true, that there hasn't been one since Jason Seahorn. How about our short king, Deuce Vaughn? 5'5"? Five, five. Yeah. He goes at round six, pick 35 uh, to the Dallas Cowboys. That's actually, uh, Marky, a nice little spot, I think, for our short king who uh, enters the fray with Zeke out of the picture with Tony Pollard coming off a major leg injury. They signed um, 
Ronald Jones in free agency, but come on, it's Ronald Jones. Um, they also have Malik Davis, who is just a guy. So our short king has a chance to do some things uh, at, at 5'5", 179, and coming up back-to-back 1K seasons and All-America honors. I love the idea of it. And, you know, we work with a, with a short king in MJD. I don't think he'd have a problem with me calling him that. Um, he, he didn't. I'm, I'm right here, Mark. Him. I'm right here. Yeah, but yeah. you're not a former NFL running back. I'm, I'm talking about an actual someone who's doing what this per- you, person. You know what's over my shoulder right now? It's very small. Really, not befitting. Um, you know the honor. Division one state champions. Minnesota. Yeah, well, I mean, Greg, I agree with your body diversity, but I don't think like one of the NFL teams is looking to bring in like an ex high school <laughs> tennis player. We also, I, I just don't not, think so. I'm I just never, saying I'm the short king of the podcasting game. They've never had such a short podcaster I, out there. I, I just I don't want to demean <laughs> that trophy, Greg. But first of all, it's impossibly small for the achievement. And also, <laughs> so it, was a, it was a team tennis title. It wasn't a singles championship. I think we had established. No disrespect. Absolutely. But I went undefeated, you know, uh, that season. Starting. I, you know, team you tennis got? is it's three people, basically. <laughs> the three of us rolled. I'm not taking any grief. Oh, uh, we we need like a, if we had the rights, we just roll in Springsteen's glory days right now. Um, uh, Mark, you got some stuff. You know, um, I'm not gonna go down winners and losers Boulevard, but I liked what um the Bucks did in general. Like I, I except for not addressing quarterback, which is weird. But they sit out there as a team that might go do that next off season in a big way. But Cody Mock, like the offensive tackle out the, out of North Dakota State is a wildly immense, giant, amazing human uh, who I think is going to be an interesting fit down in super hot uh, Tampa Bay. And Kalijah Kansi as well, Yaya Diabli, this guy, or Diaby, this like uh, edge guy that they got, helps because Shaq Barrett's coming off an Achilles. So I think this was a sign that the Bucks aren't like, they're reloading on defense a little bit. They got a tough offensive lineman. Um, I kind of like the mood, the mood of what the Bucks are doing right mm. now, minus the quarterback situation. Because I, as much as I am pro Baker Mayfield, I, I I don't see that going perfectly well. It's a good job too, because I think the Bucks might be ranked thirtieth, thirty first, thirty second in times mentioned over the last three months on this podcast. So that's that's a good job by you. Mm. Um, I'll throw one out there. I think. Although I haven't on, been on board with what I have perceived to be a premature push for the Atlanta Falcons the last two years, I do believe they are on a, a compelling path as we look ahead to 2023. Still wish, yes, that they address quarterback in a different way. Uh, Ryan Tannehill's still available. Hey, heads up. Uh, but I also <laughs> I, I respect uh, Falcons fans for what they've gone through over the last five or six years. I'll never forget being at that Super Bowl in um, Houston, I believe it was, and walk, we all walked by this kind of rundown hotel on the outskirts of town that was completely booked out with Atlanta football fans uh, partying, having the time of their life on Saturday night and thinking to myself, A, I hope my fan base gets to do this just once before I die. And B, God, that's the first group of people I thought about when um, 28-3 went down mm. Falcons fans are so sick of 28-3 and the only thing that's made 28-3 worse has been the fact uh that the team has not really been relevant or compelling really ever since I know they won a playoff game the next year we were there against the Rams uh but other than that it's been uh, really a down uh, downhill ride here 
Listen to this uh, fan, super fan. I wish I had his name. If we could get it, that would be awesome, Justin. But if not, don't worry about it. Announcing a pick and then hearing someone shout from the crowd. You know what they shouted. With the 224th pick in the 2023 NFL this draft, gonna introduce the, the Atlanta punter. Falcons select DeMarco Hellams. No. Defensive back, Alabama. 28-3, good one. We've heard that before. <laughs> wow. Oh! Uh, I'm assuming that came from the New England section down in the orchestra pit. Absolutely. Yes, I'm so glad we got that on film. Uh, yeah, a little point and a mocking. Yeah, we've heard that one before. Falcons fans don't want to hear that. It's time for them to build their next cycle of success so they can really move on from that horrific Sunday. That if you uh, if you if you aren't watching this on YouTube, um, go find that clip either on this episode or somewhere else because the what he's wearing there um, is one of the more like it, it completely combats my concept of male fashion uh, being in a in a low place at the moment he is doing something mm. completely different with his choices um and it was an eye popper and i think it gave that production a little life at that point because that was like deep in the seventh round where <laughs> you know you're just struggling for something to say and like out comes this eye-catching wonder <laughs> it's a red suit with the the dirty bird all over it uh and, he was and you should a you should watch belt. this this youtube you know hit the like subscribe to around the nfl smash podcast it, on youtube smash that like Check out the live stream from the other night. It's still it's still cranking. Um, uh, does anybody have one more? I have one more, but I'll defer to some uh, you guys if you have one. Uh, more yeah, quickly. D- Danny Kelly pointed out Devin uh, A-Chain f- during our running back preview, and I wasn't familiar with him at the time, but he compared him to the running back version of Tyreek Hill. His explosiveness is insane. When I went to watch mm. him, this he is an insane player, and now he's a member of the Dolphins. That's the fastest track team I've ever seen and so I'm just excited about that him and Moster in the same backfield just like he is pure speed and then my last winner of the night you got to give it to the guys overseas our buds both Neil Reynolds and Will Gavin Neil of uh, Sky Sports Will Gavin of Talkspore Radio both introducing picks on day three coming Very cool. through big in a big spot they were sort of introducing uh young fans in the uk that actually said the pick but they were there they got their moment in the sun they got some nice nfl network uh pop so good job by will and neil both i, top just, I needed one of them to be in holographic form because i lost as far as i can tell we'll get to I, that we'll i don't get know to if that. I, yeah i don't know if i tracked every pick but I, it's not looking good for the non-human making a pick yeah, we will. Uh, we will get to that. Mark, you got something else? Uh, I mean, I you know, I know we talked a little Patriots, but I thought in general I liked their draft. And I think a winner has to be Mac Jones because I, I had become more and more convinced that he was going to get shipped out of town, uh, that they were maybe going to go quarterback in general. They, they, were, they hung out there on the fringe of the potential Lamar Jackson uh, like chase. And then a week later, there's really no competition outside of Bailey Zappi for Mac Jones's job. He's a star. I think he's the, the presumptive starter. Um, I don't think he and Belichick are like the best of friends, but I don't think Bill Belichick's ever really been the best of friends with almost any of his quarterbacks. And so it's like, you got Bill O'Brien. It's a better situation than a year ago. And you haven't just been thrown somewhere else to start all over in another city. Keon White, their second round pick quickly. Um, was as upset as I've ever seen. I really felt for him when he got drafted number 46. I believe he was at the draft 
and he left because he was disappointed and they did still have a camera on him uh, when he got drafted in the second round. I've never seen a player look as pissed off. He was not getting over it in the, in the moment. So Keon white, a lot of people thought he'd be a top, you know, 30 pick. I hope he brings that energy and he takes it out on the rest of the league. Very nice. Very nice. I wanted the ultimate winner. This is my last one. I mean, no one won the, the draft in Kansas city at a higher level than Hollywood actor, Eric stone street. Uh, the modern family star, loyal to the soil, as they say, uh, all over the coverage on NFL Network and beyond. Stone, it's Stone Street Mania. Here he is announcing the Chiefs pick late in the draft. All right, Kansas City! <laughs> hey! Yes. Hey, real quick. I'm so proud of our hometown. You guys showed up and showed the National Football League what a great, welcoming city Kansas City is. So thank you, Kansas City. We love all NFL fans. We love everyone. We love football. <laughs> hey, man. When you have an opportunity to just own the moment, as Stone Street has this weekend, you, you grab it. You grab that uh, rocket and you go for a ride. And Stone Street hopped on. And he soared across the skies of Missouri. All three days. I mean, he wasn't just like a Thursday night guy or a Friday night guy. Hell no. He was in all three days. And I've learned uh, since like he had he has beefs with different reporters around the country. Jeff Howe of The Athletic, who was once covering the Patriots. He he has a beef with Stone Street because he once said, you know, talked a lot of trash about one of his articles. So it's like Stone Street's in the mix and he's not going away. Did you see what he was doing? Outside of the <laughs> announcement there, he had um, Rich Eisen in the passenger seat of his car and he had, he's got a vehicle with one of these like massive like speakers outside of it. And he's of just driving he around. Yeah. Well, he's driving around being like, Hey, I'm Rich Eisen. He's pretending to be Rich Eisen and saying sort of like bizarre stuff to people on the side of the street. Like he's feeling himself. Do you know what they call that? CS. Classic Stone Street. That is. It is. <laughs> we love football. Sounds like it could be the slogan for next year's season. Just we love hey, football. Put that in the chamber. We might be firing that one off come next September. All right. Before we say goodbye, let's check in on Go Get My Lunch once again. Nick Fortier. Oof. This was <laughs> my worst one ever, I think. By the way, Nick Fortier reached out to me. Um, you were concerned, um, Greg, that perhaps uh, he was disrespected um, earlier last week that I couldn't quite place his name. Uh, but he took it in, in in great spirits and signed a, a message to me, uh, Nick Fortier, a.k.a. Ryan Frontier, a.k.a. Chad Foster. <laughs> Chad Foster. <laughs> Which is just funny. <laughs> Chad Foster. Um, but, yeah, you uh, you took a bit of a dirt nap here, Greggy. Well, will you finish um, under 500. Um, so Tyree Wilson is the first defensive player taken in the draft. No, he was not. It was who? Will Anderson? Yeah, Will Anderson. Dan and Mark pick up sandwiches there. Uh, then you had all four of the top QBs. Young Stroud, Levis, and Richardson are drafted within the top 10. Uh, almost, but unfortunately, Levis uh, fell out of the first round and uh, was taken 32nd overall. So he did not get that. Two more sandwiches for Dan and Mark. And then you had D-Hops. We all got, we all got banged on the veterans uh, being moved. Uh, you had D-Hops traded to the Bills by the end of the draft. 
two more losses there. So you finished five and eight. Mark Sessler, hey, man, listen, we talked about it. You're deep in the rear view in the standings. You just got to chop wood for a few years. That's it. And okay. here's a perfect example. You have the Seven perfect and- jacket for it. I feel like that's a good chopping wood jacket. Sure. When Mark is wearing the faded black Levi's jacket on a Saturday, look out. Mark went seven and five. The Packers draft at least four wide receivers and tight ends. Uh, Big W. um, Only one sandwich, though, you know, because I found it to be. Egregious. Nebulos. Nebulos. Uh, Mac Jones is not a Patriot by the end of the draft. There's your ding there. Dan and Greg uh, took you on that. And Mac Jones is very much it appears uh, part of the uh, equation there. A non-human slash non-animal makes a draft pick. Dan and Greg both pick up sandwiches there. Was there ever a moment? I saw at one point there were. Um, what the hell was it? I turned it on today and it was monkeys or puppies or something. There was well, some type dog, of animal. A dog peed on Daniel Jeremiah. Speaking of a winner in this draft, that dog is a winner. They brought good a boy. dog on stage. Oh, this is a good yeah, boy. Yeah, he peed, peed on DJ, so that's good. That oh, sounded nice. like something Mark would have predicted. Yeah, uh, yeah. I should have. I, you know, I, 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 I didn't sense that um, when I was cooking up my sandwich things, but I, um, I'll be fully accountable. I did not track every single day three announcement. Um, I like to watch as much as I can, but other human things were occurring during the day. But I, I know that if a non-human, non-animal had made a pick, I would be getting tons of tweets from people. And, I, mm-hmm. and that is, it, it was essentially totally quiet. So very confident that um, a non-human, non-animal was not a participant today. Uh, the old Zeuser, eight and four, oh, opening up a bit of a lead on uh, the old boss, the Texan State number two and draft a QB. Uh, pick up two Q uh, sandwiches there with CJ Stroud coming up the board at two. One. I just missed really cleaning up in this draft because I had the Jets select Broderick Jones in the first round. And um, another Schrager report that was out there, he was saying on Friday that the Jets weren't happy with the quote unquote narrative. Uh, that everyone thought that that's who they wanted when that not necessarily was the case. I I don't know if I necessarily believe that, but the Jets were pushing back against that. They ended up taking uh, the uh, the edge rusher. Um, So I missed that one, though. So it it cost me two sandwiches. And then I had, once again, we all got dinged with the trades. Titans trade either Tannehill or Henry by today. So I guess they still have a um, till midnight. Uh, for that, but I don't see it happening. So that's going to cost me too. And then finally, the curse of the producer uh, continues. Uh, Justin uh, had no trades within the top seven picks. And as we said before, this was a historic draft. There was more trades than ever. 41, I believe, or in the 40s somewhere. Uh, you had none in the top seven. And I believe there were two uh, in the top seven. So, Yeah, since you got that doubly wrong, you have to get us two sandwiches each. Okay, well, one day I will win a sandwich. Watch. One day. <laughs> How did it go um, Thursday night after that long day? And again, thank you to to Justin and everybody behind the scenes, um, including Jessica as well, uh, your lovely um, girlfriend who uh, sat in on the live stream. When you got home, where, was she happy about being a part of it? Or was, was she like, what was that all about? Like, where did she come down on the live stream ultimately? A little bit of both. She was happy to be there. She was happy to see it all like happening live and not having to watch it, you know, on YouTube at home waiting for me to to get back from work. 
But at the same time, she did feel like, why was it a million degrees in that room? Um, <laughs> why didn't you and Mark get more picks right in your mock draft so I had something to do Ooh. instead of just sitting there waiting for you guys yeah. to be wrong all night? Um, so yeah, that's where she came down. <laughs> I think it's a fair, some... uh, a totally fair assessment. <laughs> By the way, I have some reporting I want to share about um, the temperature in that room. And this is something that I... You know, I like the triple source, um, so I did. I heard it. Uh, someone volunteered it to me, and then I, I checked in with a couple other um, people on this, and uh, it has now been confirmed to me that the room where we did the live stream for five hours, which was filled with, you know, roughly eight to ten people with lighting and cameras all over the place, um, it was known that there was an issue with the air conditioning um, weeks ago and, and, and yet we were thrown to the wolves or thrown into the fire, literally, despite them knowing full well what the outcome would have been. It, wait, and you Think triple source this, you triple, triple sourced, sourced it, it from within the building. Uh, we were and and when I say we, I'm not just talking about the three of us. Um, and we're not just Justin, uh, there was a, a large crowd of hardworking NFL media employees inside what was a room that was no bigger than a small bedroom, essentially. It was very uh, compact, no windows, no ventilation. And you're trying to tell me that higher-ups within the building knew that they were willingly throwing um, their employees, the people that they value, into this sort of uh, hothouse um, for four-plus hours. You're telling me that's the scenario. I can only tell you what my reporting uh, came up, came back with, which mm. is they were fully aware, Greg, that if they put that many people and that much lighting and that much equipment in that room for that amount of time, it was going to be a potentially dangerous experience, especially for the talent. And, um, and that's all. And, and we could, we could take action steps going forward as we head into the off season, the proper off season for us. But I think I had to get that out there. And I know that's going to rub some people the wrong way. Some shadowy leak figures that I would bring this reporting out here. But that that's part of what uh, the Zeuser has to do in terms of his reporting. Mm -hmm. And I'm just that's yeah. it. Well, you know, Jessica had mixed feelings when Justin returned. Emika's feelings weren't mixed at all. She saw me and she was like, did you lose seven pounds of water weight tonight? Because you're looking good <laughs> when I walked in. She's like, just get those soggy. Uh, that soggy underwear out of here and then you know let's go let's go the night ended with greg wringing out his tidy whities into the kitchen sink <laughs> don't need to visualize that all right i think that's enough <clears throat> um good stuff good stuff another draft in the books that is the 10th draft we've covered for this podcast we've been involved with more drafts probably about 12 or 13 um, as a group, but in terms of the around the NFL podcast, our 10th, and we thank you for listening, Greggy. I know you checked it out. The numbers very healthy and robust, both with the stream and the podcast. You guys, uh, 10 years, 13 years in, well, 10 years into the show now have continued to support us and the show has continued to grow. And, and also again, Justin jump, jump back in here. Uh, Justin, this kind of, uh, is the year anniversary of Justin taking over as our full-time producer, mm. replacing Erica, who obviously was incredible for us, but Justin, uh, that was a hell of a first year with ATN. So we thank you for everything you do. 
thanks. It's been a really fun year. Learned a lot and uh, looking forward to a year where now I know all the like events and the tentpole things that we're, you know, expecting to cover. So I'll be, I think I'll be better. You've done it all once. I don't, I, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. We haven't talked about this, but I'm actually ready to, um, to ask you to be our, our pre-fiance uh, producer. <laughs> you we're pre-engaging? We're pre-engaged. I don't know how that works. Yeah. I want to pre-engage with you, with Justin. I Just do. imagine us all on our knees. Yes. Well, on one <laughs> knee. Um, okay. that's a, That seems like a good time to get out. Uh, thank you to everybody. Until uh, we got again, like I said, we have uh, around the AFC and NFC with special guests uh, galore this week. Um, so check back in on Tuesday. Uh, until then. Dan Hans is signing off for Mark Sessler, Greg Rosenthal, Justin Graver, everybody behind the scenes. Heed the call. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish spring body wash and bar soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, I love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.